0: morning it's good for you with you again and uh, thank you for the uh, invitation and uh, for your nice for your kind words Ray I seem to have known you a long time anyway I didn't say too long (laughs) Um, I suppose um, we're all looking forward to the coronation, and I was thinking about uh, kings. We had a uh, holiday Bible club recently at our church, and uh, I suppose I better stay behind here, Adam, because but I do talk a bit loud anyway. And the uh, the theme for our holiday Bible club, where we had about a hundred children, was um, the greatest king. And uh, who is Jesus, of course? He is the greatest king. And then I started thinking as I was coming here uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, about another king, a king in history. It was King Henry V. And King Henry V was a great warrior king. We don't have warrior kings now. We don't expect King Charles III to go into battle with his sword and spear and and shield. But of course, Henry V did at the Battle of Agincourt. And he was a great warrior and a great man. And uh, he served his country well. But there was something that he said to his troops once they'd beaten the French, thankfully. The Battle of Agincourt, and um, he uh, he told them all to kneel on the battlefield because they'd won a great battle, at, uh, to a great troop, a great number of troops, and they were few in number, but they won with their uh, uh, with their um, Welsh uh, um, uh, troops, and. He got them down and sat them in the, on the battlefield and uh, he said these words to them. Non nobis Domine, said tibi sit gloria. Now you won't know what that means. <laughs> but you will in a moment because they're the opening words of Psalm 115. And King Henry V was taught those words by his father, Henry IV, when he was a young prince. And he'd never forgotten them. And so when the battle was over, he got his troops sat down and he quoted those words. Under the opening words of Psalm 115, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. So if you turn to Psalm 115, we'll read these words. Very inspiring words and challenging words. But that's just a touch of history. It's good to remember some verses from the Bible. I know while our our memories are fading a bit when we get older, um, we still remember, interestingly... Bible verses. I find that very, a very beautiful thing that God does for us by his Spirit. We still, I still remember God's Word and many verses from God's Word from the past. And I can't remember people's names that uh, I meet each day. Uh, I remember um, when I was in Hebron all before coming here about 50 years ago and continuing the work here for 25 years that there were i can still remember three verses of scripture that i often quote to people that were either on the wall or on, on the pulpit one was what do you think of christ on the pul- front of the pulpit the other one spread across the uh, the, the, the church uh, wall Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then there was a um, a stone outside, uh, the foundation stone, that said, "Hitherto has the Lord helped us. I remember those verses. I'll never forget them. I don't know, um, whatever people's names I forget, uh, I'll, uh, remembering God's word is very beautiful and uh very helpful to us in our daily lives. Just the Holy Spirit just brings to our minds verses from the, the scriptures. And it's it's wonderful. So if you turn to Psalm 115, we'll uh, read these. I'll read, we'll read the whole psalm, even though I just want to share with you some thoughts from the earlier verses. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory, because of your love and faithfulness. Why do the nations say, Where is their God? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases Him. But their idols are silver and gold, made by the hands of men. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but they cannot see, they have ears but cannot hear, noses but they cannot smell, They have hands but cannot feel, feet but they cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. O house of Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. O house of Abram, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. You who fear him, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. The Lord remembers us and will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. May the Lord make you increase, both you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The highest heaven belong to the Lord. For the earth he has given to man. It is not the dead who praise the Lord, those who go down to silence. It is we who extol the Lord, both now and forevermore. Praise the Lord. What I want to share with you from these uh, few verses at the opening of this psalm is um, that God alone is worthy of glory. God alone is worthy of our trust. And the psalm begins by expressing the right attitude for all who serve the Lord. And that's every one of us because we're all in service for the Lord. We deserve no praise. All praise is due to God. All glory we give to God because he is the giver of everything that we have. And if we have this attitude, then some wonderful thoughts um uh, spring from this psalm from these opening verses first of all we will learn that we will know that our God is different he is different he is special he is in heaven he is not like one of the idols and we read in uh, some verses in Isaiah that tell us that the uh, uh, the, the uh, wanted craftsmen special craftsmen in order that they made idols that would not topple so they got the best craftsmen so that the idols would not topple over if you read in Isaiah chapter 40 it tells us all about those idols and the craftsmen that, that, they, that the people found to make them safe and they spent so much time on these idols and then uh, they, they started to forget about the the, the great God who had brought them out of Egypt and redeemed them and restored them. And sometimes it's easy for us to forget about all that God has done for us. So this psalm is reminding us that whatever we do for the Lord, whatever we do in our daily lives, the glory goes to him and not to us. God alone is worthy of our glory, of our glory. And these psalms, in fact, the uh, from psalm 113 to, a psalm, to psalm 118 they are a collection of psalms they're called the Egyptian Hallel psalms and uh, they were sung by the Jews during the Passover and more than likely they would have been sung by Jesus and his disciples at the time of the Passover so they were very important psalms reminding the people of the redemptive work of God On their behalf. And how God has done so much for them. And what he does for us. And so these first uh, few verses remind that God is worthy of glory. He He is exalted above all idols. And when we think of idols. It's not. We sometimes forget that. There are probably idols in our lives. Not made of wood and stone like these of old. But. Things that take our mind off God. Things that enter into our hearts. That fulfill us with other things. And uh, it's so easy to get our minds off the things of God. Of course we have to do the legitimate things in life. But uh, many times we can be distracted by so many other things. That uh, God takes second place. And this this psalm is reminding us that... uh, it is um, important for us to uh, uh, bring all our uh, desires and all our uh, thinking under the mind of God, under the eyes of God. And here we have a repetition. So he says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. And a repetition calls us to think carefully, to ask myself, how I serve the Lord. How do I serve the Lord? Now in, Psalm, in Isaiah 42 and verse 8, we read these words. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another. God doesn't give his glory to anyone. He wants glory to him because he deserves it. Because he is the creator. He is the giver of every good and perfect gift. In, uh, Psalm, in uh, Isaiah 48, verse 11, he says, I will not yield my glory to another. God doesn't give his glory away to another. He is the one who is to be glorified. And then in uh, Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, those wonderful words, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things. God is worthy, of glory, and then remember the words of the apostle Paul. He said in Galatians chapter six, uh, "God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ." The apostle Paul, Paul realized one at uh, one time that the, the the cross meant nothing to him. In fact, it was a stumbling block to him. He tells us, "A stumbling block." It was something that got in the way of his religion. And so he entered into a a period of persecution of the church. It was a stumbling block to him. Until he realised who this Jesus was. He was the one who had come to save him. And so Paul then yielded his life to Jesus. And noticed the change. From the cross being a stumbling block. And an offence to him. It became that which was. The greatest thing in his life. God forbid that I should glory. Save in the cross. I don't want to boast in anything else. Just the cross. Because that is where. My life really started. And I suppose. I hope. I trust that. If you're a true believer. That that's where your life really started. Being born again through the precious blood. Of Christ whose death on the cross was for you. And so we have these uh, words that remind us of the importance of God being glorified. And then we can remind ourselves of that great hymn of Fanny Crosby. Well, we're going to sing it at the end. To God be the glory, great things he has done. So loved He the world that he gave us his son. And those, those words in that hymn just speak to us again of all that God Has done for us. So what we learn here is that all glory belongs to God. Everything we do in our service for Him does not allow us to pursue or aspire glory for ourselves. We deserve nothing because Jesus has done everything for us. We deserve nothing because the cross, at the cross, Jesus paid the ultimate price for our sins. It is, of course, uh, a human trait to want glory. Celebrities want glory. We want glory at times. We want to be told how good we are. We want to be uh, recognized. We want to be seen by other people to be respected, which we should. But not to receive the glory for what we've done. In our service for God. Or in fact in our daily lives. Because in Luke chapter 17. They, um, they, uh, Luke reminds us. We, we read these words. Uh, Jesus uh, was saying to the Jews. So you also when you have done everything you were told to do. When you have done everything. You should say we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. And when we have been pleased with our efforts in every aspect of our church ministry, of our daily lives, maybe um, encountered a well done or some praise from someone, which is good, we should be, if you like, we should be like a signpost pointing all the glory back to God because he has changed us, he has made us and our lives are governed by his, uh, his goodness and his love for us. For he is the only source of all true glory. And that's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, so whatever you eat, or whatever you drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I wonder if you've ever thought about that. Whatever we do, you know, we can be washing up. Well, I'm sure... You do that, even you do that Ray, don't you? Yeah, I'm sure you're good at <laughs> I'm sure you're very domesticated, yeah. yeah. And uh, whatever, whatever we do, within, uh, we're in the garden tending our plants, we're washing the car, or whatever we do, Paul says, "Do all for the glory of God." Why? Why should we be doing the simple things for the glory of God? Because every, he deserves everything because he has done everything for me as a as a true believer. And Jesus reminds us again in, uh, in Matthew's Gospel that we, we are to be like salt and light. In the same way he said, let your light shine before men so that others may see your good deeds and glorify God. Glorify your Father in heaven. And Peter reminds us in his... Uh, uh, in his letter, I'll just turn to it. Um, verses I'm just not remembering at the moment. And it's 1 Peter, chapter, uh, chapter 1. You read these words All men are like grass. And listen to this all their glory is like the flowers of the field. Why does Peter say that? Because the grass withers and the flowers fall. It's all gone. All their glory is gone. But the word of the Lord stands forever. You see the difference when we bring glory to God. Man likes his glory, but that's all fading away. That's all gone in due time. Whereas we have the word of God that endures forever. And that is the word that we rely on and depend on and trust in. And that's why the psalmist speaks of two essential reasons why we ought to glorify God. He says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Why? Because of your love and your faithfulness. Because of your love and your faithfulness. Which is better translated, because of your mercy and truth. That's what he's referring to here. The mercy of God alone means that he is worthy of praise and glory. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul said, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. We were just thinking of that before when Ray was talking to us. We are made alive in Christ. It is through the resurrection of Jesus that we are living and we have a hope. And we have eternal life because of his great love for us, because of his richness in his mercy. And then in Titus chapter 3, he saved us because of his great mercy. Those are wonderful words in Titus. And uh, I'll I'll just read them to you. Titus chapter 3, he says "At one time we were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewing of the Holy Spirit. God's rich in mercy. And that's one reason, one of the reasons why glory goes to God, because of his mercy. Let us then, says uh, the writer to the Hebrews, let us then approach God's throne, the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in every kind of need. Well, may we sing with the heavenly choir in Revelation and the choir that we will join in 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 eternity to receive glory and honour and praise. He is worthy to receive our praise. And mercy, the word mercy is an old uh, Hebrew word translated ased, H-E-S-E-D, in Hebrew, it refers to the steadfast, unfailing love of God toward us. The word "hesed" it's a lovely word. It's found in uh, at the end of Psalm twenty three. Actually, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy, God's unfailing love. It's not merely an emotion, not merely a feeling. But it involves action on behalf of someone who is in need. And God, in his mercy, took action for us through sending Jesus to be our saviour. And uh, he didn't just say, God didn't just say he loved us. He acted upon his love and mercy. And this is hesed, which is a difficult word to translate in English, I believe, but it, it, it... concerns the whole loving kindness and mercy and love of God. And uh, it's, uh, there's a verse in Psalm 36. I'll just read it to you that uh, reminds us of this very clearly. He says in verse 7 of Psalm 36, How precious is your unfailing love. Both high and low among men find refuge in, In the shadow of your wings. How precious is your unfailing love? How precious is your Hesed? It's the same word, your priceless love. And Paul embellishes that in 2 Corinthians. He says to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 concerning the awesome exchange that Jesus paved for us. He said, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for our sakes he became poor, that we through his poverty might become rich. The preciousness, the pricelessness of God's unfailing love. The second reason why we give God the glory after his his love and after his mercy is because of his faithfulness, his truth. The word translated here is truth. And uh, the, the second reason that the psalmist says we should give the Lord glory is because of his truth. The word here can be translated truthfulness or faithfulness. But the simple meaning is truth. And it's usually connected or used of the scriptures. Because it is in the scriptures that God reminds us of his great mercy and his love toward us. It is within the scriptures that we may come to know God greater To know all about him, to know that his uh, his character, and his greatness and his power, and it is through reading and study, and studying the scriptures that we know how we may live a life that glorifies God. I was reading a book recently. It's it's uh, it's well worth uh, you buying it. Uh, It's quite recent. It's called Truth on Fire. And in this book, the, the writer examines the, uh, the, the greatness and the majesty and of, of God and shows to us how that our God is sometimes too small. He's much greater than, uh, than what we sometimes uh, think about in our finite minds that lack complete understanding. And it's a wonderful book, Truth on Fire. So, because of his great mercy and for the richness of his word in the Scriptures, we are exhorted to ascribe to God the glory that only He deserves. And sometimes it is easy for us in in, the, in this country and in the Western world, where we enjoy religious freedom, to forget how blessed we are to uh, to meet and to be able to share God's word together and uh, and to. Uh, uh, sharing the, the breaking of bread and the, the fellowship. You know, there many countries where this is not possible. Many countries in the world where believers have to meet in secret, where they are persecuted. And, uh, and they, uh, they enjoy so much pleasure in the bit of the small amounts of scripture that they sometimes have. And listening to the word of God in secret... And how wonderful it is for us to be able to have, uh, have it openly in this land and have the freedom to uh, share together in the things of God. And, um, you know, we, were, we have many uh, Ukrainians in our church at the moment, about 40, actually, that we're accommodating in different places in the, in the town. And um, they've come from a church in, in Kharkiv, in, the, in eastern uh, Ukraine which has been bombed and they've had to move out of that area but there are people still there who are worshipping and the, where the gospel is still being being preached and where people are being saved in those difficult circumstances Ray was praying for it earlier the people of Ukraine the people of Sudan difficult times for people difficult times for Christians so we must uh, thank God for the, for the uh, freedom that we have, and pray that it will continue, because also we find that the truth of God, even in this land, is being distorted. The truth of God, the truth of god 's word, is being eroded. as we 've seen recently, the, the Church of England blessing uh, same sex marriage. Or wanting to, it's not got to be approved yet, but it'll all come to fruition. We're going off the rails, and uh, remember in the Old Testament in Jeremiah, the, the prophet there warns the people in in those days, he says, Truth has perished, the truth is perishing in, in our land. The word of God being uh, undermined to suit the to suit people, to suit the social lives that we live, and to uh, um, to address the contemporary mind of people. And uh, last last year, in our growth groups in our church, we were we were thinking of uh, one Timothy, and in that in in one Timothy, uh, Paul is uh, just reminding Timothy of the uh, of the way that the word of God in, uh, in Ephesus was being distorted they were, they were following other gospels following other lines of scripture, following other uh, distorted truths of the word of God we need to be aware of this, we just stand against it, we go a group of us go into the uh, um, into the streets of Preston we knock on doors, we share the word of God with people and uh, it's hard work And uh, some people want to listen, others don't. But we always need to be sharing with them the truth of God's Word so that it's not eroded, so that it's not um, undermined and to speak boldly of the things of God. As as, uh, uh, Peter reminds us in his his little uh, uh, epistle, That we need to be ready and prepared for what people ask us. He says in 1 Peter chapter 3 Make sure in your hearts that Christ is Lord. Always be ready to give an answer to everyone of the hope that is within you. For the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. That's important. To be respectful to people. And then to just direct them and guide them by through the help of the holy spirit into thinking about the god's word so do you see what the psalmist is saying here it is if he is saying uh, when he's comparing these uh, the, the the wonders and the glory of god with with idols he is saying you are criticizing me for not having a god made out of metal or stone that I can see, but your gods are inanimate objects, the creation of your own hands. My God, he says in verse 2, is in heaven. Where do the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven. It's hard sometimes to share that with people because they don't just don't believe it. Because... In those days, that the Psalms were written, and in the Old Testament, they wanted to see a God. They wanted to see an idol. They wanted to see something that, uh, that was uh, evident to their eyes. And they say, where is your God? And the psalmist says, well, my God, our God, is in heaven. He is the true God. And if you, if you want something to read about the true God, about my God, about your God... Then read, read Isaiah 40 when you get home. Wonderful words in Isaiah 40. The, uh, he says, to whom will you compare me? Twice. And I'll, I'll just read a few words for you from Psalm 40. Wonderful passage of scripture. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hands or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth? In a basket I weighed the mountains. Who has understood the mind of the Lord? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him, And who taught him the right way? Who is it that taught him knowledge or showed him the truth of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in the bucket. To whom then will you compare God? What image will you compare him to? As for an idol, a craftsman casts it. And a goldsmith overloads it with gold and fashion silver chains for it. A man too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. It's almost laughable, isn't it? It's almost sad. He looks for a skilled craftsman to set up an idol that will not to- topple. <laughs> Do you not know? Have you not heard? Have you not understood? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. To whom will you compare me? Who created all these things? He who brings out the starry host one by one. Wonderful words in Isaiah 40. Read them later and you'll, it'll be so inspiring. And then he ends that chapter with those wonderful words of encouragement and inspiration. He gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Well, I'm not walking too well at the moment. I don't think Ray is either. My knees are getting very worn out. And I love it's lovely to read words like that, isn't it? They will run and not grow weary. Well, you know, Paul reminds us that the outward is wasting away. But inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. That daily renewal is through the scriptures and the Holy Spirit guiding our minds so that we get to know more about this God who we believe in who is in heaven. And you know, and we'll finish with this, but in in the book of Kings, we read about Elijah. And Elijah, when he was on Mount Carmel... Uh, they were saying to him look uh, show us your God and, uh, and he did because the true God worked a miracle on that day and when they were shouting at their own gods to do the same thing we read these words there was no response no response There's no response from idols. There's no response from things that are not of the true God. Only the true God speaks. Only the true God listens. Only the true God hears. Only the true God who is in heaven is the one who who deserves the glory. And we're going to sing about that glory in our closing hymn. But uh, just... uh, Just finally, can we uh, uh, the question is what have we learned from this these few verses at the beginning of this Psalm? Well we've learned that all glory all glory is for God because He has done so much for us through what Jesus did on the cross. It is through the death of Christ and through what Paul calls the glory of the cross that we are saved and come into a right relationship with the true God the God who is in heaven and as Isaiah as Isaiah says in Isaiah 42 I am the Lord that is my name I will not give my glory to another let us bring give glory to God for anything we do, so that he is exalted and enthroned and uh, and worshipped above all other gods. Let's sing our final hymn, shall we?